Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and along with our staff and entire congregation, we are so glad that you have joined us. As the new year begins, we continue to worship virtually as a way to protect the health of our community and our congregation. But the Spirit's power is able to reach beyond the separation that we feel physically to bind us together spiritually so that we are still one family. And in this time of worship, our hearts will be renewed in our love of God and our desire to serve God by loving our neighbor. So in anticipation of the Spirit's work in our life, let us turn our hearts to praise and prayer. In days of chaos and uncertainty, we gather together for worship, even though we are in separate places, to praise God who walks with us, to renew our faith in Christ who calls us, and to invite the Spirit to embolden us. Therefore, will you join us in the call to worship this morning? The Word of God came to Jonah the word of God comes to us. Go. Despite your fears. Speak. The truth of God. Love. Your neighbor 
and your enemy. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Receive grace upon grace overflowing from the fullness of God. As worship begins, we turn our hearts toward God and praise as we join in the prayer of the day. Eternal God, the refuge and help of all your children, we praise you for all you have given us, for all you have done for us, and for all you are to us. In our weakness, you are strength. In our darkness, you are light. In our sorrow, you are comfort and peace. We cannot number your blessings. We cannot declare your love. For all your blessings, we bless you. May we live as in your presence and love the things that you love and serve you in our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Good morning, young Christians. Today, we're talking about good news. Have you heard any good news this week? If you have, tell someone who is with you right now. Tell someone in your family, or if nobody's around, you can send somebody a text message or put it in the chat. What is some good news that you want to celebrate? I like good news, don't you? Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. That reminds me of a prophet in the Bible named Jonah. Do you know the story of Jonah? I'm going to put up some pictures and let's see if you can tell the story of Jonah. So here we go. First, Then, 
and then Do you think the message that God wanted Jonah to deliver to Nineveh was good news or bad news? It was kind of bad news, wasn't it? Jonah was telling them that God was going to punish them if they didn't change their ways. But Jonah didn't want to deliver the message. Why not? Because Jonah knew that even though it sounded like bad news, there was going to be good news. Because Jonah knew that God is loving and merciful and would forgive them if they were sorry and changed what they were doing. Today, we're talking about another story in the Bible about Jesus. This story happens just after John the Baptist was arrested. That reminds me a little bit about last week, how we talked about some other prophets, Samuel and Martin Luther King Jr., who wasn't in the Bible, but is in our own American history. I showed a picture of him being arrested because not everyone agreed with the things that he was doing. That's kind of what happened with John the Baptist. John was inviting people to repent, to turn around and start living a different way, and not everyone liked his message. After John was arrested, Jesus came proclaiming the good news of God. People needed some good news. This was God's good news. And Jesus said, it was time. God's kingdom was near. I like to spend time wondering about what that means, God's kingdom. Would you wonder with me? What do you think God's kingdom is all about? Jesus began preaching this message, this good news, and then he saw some fishermen and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. I wonder what that means. I will make you fish for people. Hmm. I think that this good news that Jesus was sharing, God's good news, was going to be for everyone. So Jesus wanted helpers to share it. First, they would need to follow Jesus so they could start learning what God's good news and God's kingdom were all about. Then, they could start sharing that good news with more and more people, inviting them to participate in God's kingdom or God's kingdom, God's family. We've been following Jesus together for quite some time now. What good news have you learned? What do you know about being a part of God's kingdom or kingdom? What part of God's good news do you think it's time for right now? What part of God's good news do people around you need to hear? Maybe you can find a way this week to share it. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for calling prophets and disciples. Thank you for sending Jesus to share your good news. Thank you for inviting us to follow Jesus 
to be part of your kingdom and to share your good news. Amen. The first scripture lesson on the third Sunday after Epiphany comes from the Old Testament book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim it to the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The second scripture lesson this morning comes from Mark's gospel, the first chapter, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Señor, me has mirado a los ojos y sonriendo has dicho mi nombre en la Lord, you have come to the lake shore, looking neither for wealthy nor wise ones. You only ask me to follow humbly. Searched me, and while 
smiling have spoken my name now my boat's left on the shoreline behind me by your side I will seek other seas you need my hands full of caring through my labors to give others rest and constant love that keeps on loving oh Lord with your eyes you have searched me and while smiling have spoken my name now my boats left on the shoreline behind me by your side I will seek other seas you who have fished other oceans ever longed for by souls who are waiting my loving friend as thus you call me Señor me aspirado a los ojos y sonriendo has dicho mi nombre en la arena he dejado mi barca junto a ti buscaré otro Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every week, and for many of us every day, we utter those words that Jesus taught those who would follow him to pray. We teach them to young children and to new adult disciples as a way to build shared experience. But more importantly, we teach it because it is a prayer that offers the desire of and for the whole community. It is a prayer of the whole body of Christ, not a part here or there. It's not a prayer for the needs of my or your singular life as separate from the rest of the community. There is no I in this prayer. Our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. You know, as I pondered the gospel lesson for today, this prayer kept interrupting my reflection. With Jesus' proclamation, the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news and the words of the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, dancing around in my head. Now, when I have preached on this text before, I generally have sort of rushed over those opening words and gone right to Jesus' invitation to those who would become the first disciples. 
It is such a good story with so many jumping off points for reflection. So I was a, more than a bit irritated actually with the way that that first sentence was interrupting where I thought the sermon was going. But not until I finally sort of gave in and paid attention to them did words begin to actually come together on my computer screen. Kingdom. I think when we hear that word, many of us conjure up a place of some sort. Maybe we see a castle with a protective wall around it or a king seated on a throne surrounded by gloriously clad attendants and loyal, adoring subjects gathered in humble supplication. Maybe we conjure up some image of heaven, imagining puffy clouds and angels, winged creatures and trumpet blowers, streets of gold and light everywhere. Certainly, over time, as Christianity became more and more institutionalized, often being aligned with empires and rulers, this image of the kingdom as a place became a helpful image for those in power. The king, emperor, or ruler, understood as an extension of God, commanded their subjects. The church took over land and control, too often participating in the oppression and subjugation of the people. And for those that recognized that this alignment with the kingdom of God and the kingdom on earth didn't seem to line up with their experience of the sacred, heaven then became a place that people longed for where in death, earthly trials were left behind finally and the freedom to breathe and live would finally come. Yes, this alignment of God's kingdom with earthly kingdoms also shaped and contributed to multiple oppressions over time, from the subjugation of women, to the justification of slavery, to the genocide of whole nations of people. This alignment with God, power over others, and nationalism continues in our time, undergirding movements around the world that hold the Bible in one hand and a gun in the other. And one of the flags that caught my eye that was on display at the attempted insurrection in Washington, D.C. on January 6 was a Christian flag that had on it an addition of an AK-47 automated rifle. Much of this kind of thinking is what undergirds, is undergirded by a concept of kingdom as place. But here at the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus says that the kingdom has come near. That's an odd thing to say about a place because places don't move unless there's an earthquake. So what might Jesus mean that the kingdom has come near? Well, the Greek word translated as kingdom, basileia, can also be translated as reign. It still has to do with power, but it's about how a place is ruled, about how power is expressed rather than a location in which one is ruled, in which power is shared. The gospel writers are constantly sharing how Jesus compares the basileia, the reign of Caesar, with the basileia, the reign of God. It wasn't a place that Jesus was concerned about, but how life in all the places that existed was for the people who lived under the reign or power that it was within it. Now, I suspect that when we say the Lord's Prayer, we think of thy kingdom come, thy will be done as two separated, but maybe related things. 
But what if they are the same thing, just repeated for emphasis, much as a poet emphasizes a point by repeating words or ideas? In doing God's will, God's kingdom comes, God's reign breaks forth, God's power shines, and life for those living in the midst of it changes. In Mark's gospel, Jesus proclaims that time is fulfilled. God is here now. God is loose in the world, as I said a few weeks ago. What you think is only in heaven is actually on earth too. God's reign is nearby. In fact, God's power is around you. God's will is breaking forth right now. Repent. Turn around, Jesus says. Align your hearts with God's love for you and for your neighbor. Look at me and see what happens when God's reign shapes human will. The captives are released. The blind can see. The oppressed are freed. And the year of Jubilee is unending. This is the good news of God's reign. Oh, how different it is from Caesar's. You know, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying that God's kingdom, God's reign, God's will is done, lived out, made manifest on this earth now in us. And the rest of that prayer, well, it's about helping us to be able to manifest God's will in and through our lives. Yes, we have the opportunity to take the kingdom of God with us every day we get up and go into the world. You know, anyone who's been around First Young Methodist Church Pasadena for the last seven years knows that I use the term kingdom of God. Now, that's an intentional change to emphasize that God's power isn't about our being subjugated, groveling in fear before an angry God. No, it's a change that underscores that God's reign isn't about a place primarily, whether heaven or earth, but about relationships about how God is with us and how we are with each other. God's kingdom comes near when we treat one another as we long to be treated, when we treat one another as God treats each of us. We can manifest the kingdom of God every single day, or at least seek to live in the world as those who long to be bearers of God's kingdom, of God's will. You know, Jonah understood this deeply. He didn't have any doubt who God was or how God interacted with humans. He knew God to be just and merciful, which is why he ran west, climbing aboard a ship rather than go east to Nineveh, as God instructed. He hated the Ninevites and would be quite pleased if they were all destroyed. But Jonah knew he could proclaim a word that would change people's hearts, He just didn't want them to change. He knew in his heart of hearts that God's love reached beyond God's people to all the world, even those who were despised enemies of God's people. Yes, God's kingdom, God's reign, extended even to Assyria. You know, Jonah's story is meant actually to make us laugh and to help us see ourselves, to confront our exclusive narratives. He goes to great lengths to avoid being the bearer of God's reign, of God's kingdom, going west rather than east, offering himself up in sacrifice when the ship he is on proclaims it is breaking apart. Yes, the ship talks. And because he would rather go to his death in the sea than see the Ninevites repent. 
But God rescues this recalcitrant prophet in the belly of a big fish, which Jonah decides isn't the best way to go, so he begs God to save him. And God obliges as the great fish bears Jonah back to shore and then vomits him up. Now covered in fish belly goo, Jonah finally heads to Nineveh, but he barely steps foot in the large city, says one sentence and quits. But that one sentence is so powerful, people repent. But not just people, the king. And the king wants to be sure that this God, this God of creation knows that they are repenting. So he even has sackcloth and ashes put on all the sheep and cows in town. And Jonah's response, he goes off to sulk because God is who God is and forgives the Ninevites. Oh, how like Jonah we can be. Friends, we know what the Lord requires to love kindness, to do justice, and to walk humbly with God. We know in Christ Jesus that God is love and that nothing separates anyone from that love. And we know that we're to share that love, even with our enemies, loving them as God does. And we know we are to set the oppressed free, to heal those who are sick in mind, body, and spirit. We know because Jesus has come near, and in him, we see, see the will of God made manifest fully. Now I know doing God's will isn't easy. And there are times we would just prefer to keep God's love to ourselves. And for sure, there are people we would rather just leave for God to love. But being God's people isn't primarily about maintaining some cozy private relationship with God, as I have said before, or leaving God's work to God alone. See, once we've received the good news, God sends us, like Jonah, into the world. As disciples of Jesus, we are sent to all the places in which the hurting world needs to hear the good news that a new life is possible, and then to participate in removing the barriers to that life in all the places we find them. You know, Jesus walks along the seaside and calls Simon and Andrew, James and John, to follow him. He tells them he'll give them a new life. He will make them fishers for people. Not a new task to add to their life as they know it, but a new life in new places with a new word among unfamiliar people. Repent, turn away, turn around, turn towards life in me. Believe the good news that God loves you releases the world from captivity and claims you as family in the kingdom. They accept the invitation and immediately set out into a life that they had no idea where it would lead them. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Friends, that invitation to a new life in Christ, to turn our lives towards God and to then seek to live God's will in the world, is for each and every one of us. Nineveh is all around, hungry, desperate, and in need of a message calling for recognition, repentance, and repair. And sharing the good news of God's love means offering a word of hope, a word of forgiveness, a word of love, a gospel of grace. Every morning when the sun rises, we hear Jesus say, come and I will make you fishers for people. And every morning, we decide, like those first disciples, whether to give it our all, 
saying yes and living as if God's reign has come for us, in us. Or like Jonah to say, not today, no way, no how. But hear the good news. Regardless of that choice we make each morning, as the disciples and Jonah knew, God is merciful and just, forgiving and loving. And God doesn't give up on us. And God's will is to be relentless in pursuit of us in the midst of our daily lives, even when we try to flee to the bottom of a turbulent sea. So this day, repent and believe for the kingdom has come near. Amen. Let us pray. Inviting God, you find us along the shorelines of this stormy world, and you call us to share your good news and to pray for others. And so as we make these prayers today, we seek to walk alongside you, abiding at your side, following in your holy presence. Encourage your church to respond to the ways that you call us to serve and to transform this world. Give us generosity of hearts and humble spirits so that we may be bridge builders, even when building those bridges that must span rough waters. Bless our leaders in every place, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim. Along with the churches across our district today, we pray for our friends at Westlake Village United Methodist Church and at Santa Clarita United Methodist Church. God of justice, you calm the ways of strife that human beings stir up between your children. We pray for the whole creation and repent of the ways that we take your bounty for granted. Raise up among us visionaries who will lead us to the adoption of sustainable practices so that all may live in dignity. Open the ears of the world's leaders so that their actions may be responses to your call for peace on earth. O oh God, let that peace be felt by the poor and the oppressed, by the homeless and those who have been forgotten, by migrant people and refugees who seek safety. Help us, your body of Christ for the world, to be among those who make your ways known among all people, by the way we live, the choices we make, and by how we treat one another. Loving God, you walk along our shorelines of pain and grief and illness. When the storms of life are raging, you stand with us and give us strength to weather whatever comes. Sustain all those whose lives have been ravaged by the coronavirus, people that are afflicted with COVID, as well as the countless ones who have lost incomes, jobs, or security because of its economic effects. We lift before you all of the persons and situations found in today's prayer list and ask your closest healing touch for Gary Webster, Lynn Webster, Livingstone Zan, and Sue Sun. O oh God, in this time of pandemic, the sea of death seems to surround us on all sides. And so we pray for those who have died and for the many thousands of families who have lost loved ones to the disease. Along with them as your blessed community, 
We surround with our love those that are nearest to us, those who are also walking the shorelines of grief and loss. Tom Sharp and his family, at the death of Tom's mother, Emily, and Sally Higginbotham and her family, at the passing of Sally's sister, Susan. Receive all of these into your nearer presence, O God, and surround the memory of each with your eternal light and hope. Believing that you walk with us along all of life's shorelines, we make these prayers today. Lift heavy spirits weighed down by grief and pain. Warm, cold hearts with the hope of new life. Encourage the faithful to continue their journey at your side, even when the way seems long. And now hear our voices that we raise together in recalling the prayer that our Savior Christ has taught disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of online worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. If you have not already done so, please download today's bulletin. In it, you will find a guide to this worship time, the weekly prayer list, and some ways that you can assist others during this difficult time through our church's Tuesday food distribution ministry and through the work of Friends Indeed in Pasadena. There are also announcements about the church's book group and the weekly Bible study, all of whom are meeting on Zoom as well as a training event sponsored by our district of the annual conference, which is happening on January 30th. Please check out all the deta details in today's bulletin. A link can be found in the video description. Following this worship service today, there will be a Sunday conversation time with Pastor Sandy. The Zoom link that you need for that was sent in the Saturday email that I hope you received yesterday. If you are not already receiving our church's emails, please let us know that by signing up at the church website or by simply emailing your request to us at connect at fumcpasadena.org. That is also the email address to use to send us your prayer requests, life changes, or any questions you have. Help us to serve you by staying in touch with us. Please remember that this service and all of our past services remain available to you to view anytime at the church's YouTube channel. When you subscribe, you can receive free notifications and reminders of our future events. As we begin this new year, the Church remains grateful for your faithfulness in sustaining its work through your tithes and offerings. There is a link in the video description to our Church's online giving website, or simply mail your gifts to the Church at the address that's on the screen. Have a good week, stay well, stay safe, and remember to wear a mask.
Friends, the kingdom of God has come near, inviting us into new life. Let us go into the world, doing God's will, placing hope in the arms of others, serving God in all the broken places, and sharing the good news of God's love by being love in Jesus' name. Amen.